Good morning. Welcome to One Church. Today we're starting a new series called Stained. And uh, I've been ask, uh, actually answering a lot of you guys' questions because you're like, what are we talking about in this series? Uh, I know a lot of you guys, you're like, you know, I've been, I, I've been wanting to come to church and I, I, this might be it, so should I try it out? And I just want to say, if this is your first time here, uh, we're so honored to have you here. Um, we started One Church three years ago, a little over three years ago, for people who don't go to church or people who don't like going to church. So, um, and that is all of us in here. Uh, none of us are the church crowd. So I just want to say from the get-go, thank you so much for being here and thanks for trying trying us out. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about this series. Um, this series is called Stained and we're talking about how uh, our stains affect how we view ourselves, how our stains, how we affect how we view other people. And even more importantly, our stains affect how we relate to God. Because all of us have a past, right? I mean, all of us have a past. In fact, one of the things, even though you may have been to church, born in a church, born beneath a pew. Y'all know what a pew is? Some of y'all need to Google that, all right? Um, Or maybe you've never, ever been to church. Here's what I know about you and me. I know that all of us have made poor choices, I know all of us have made bad decisions. We went on a spring break that we shouldn't have went on. Did some things that we shouldn't have done it with with some people we shouldn't have done it with. Um, we all have made uh, have been addicted to things. We've all have said some things that we've regretted to spouses, to children. And we have all struggled with what the Bible calls sin. Now, here's what I'm going to do today, and I'm going to talk about. I'm not going to convince you that you are messed up. Because you know yourself, right? I know myself. I don't have to have somebody, some dude who doesn't know me, tell me how jacked up I am. In fact, this past week, I spent 20 minutes listening to sermons, because that's what I do. I'm a preacher. I got, somebody's got to preach to me. I was listening to 20 minutes this dude yelling and screaming about the people, you're sinners, and you're awful, and you're bad, and I just turned him off. So I'm like, dude, I know that. I know I am a messed up individual. I know that I have been, I have said the wrong things. I know myself. I remember cheating on tests in high school. Right? I remember disrespecting my parents. I remember lying. I, I, I remember taking a second glance when I shouldn't have turned around. I, I, and you remember those things. I don't have to remind you that you're not as pure as the fallen snow. Right? Because all of us, we make bad choices. And usually in beginning in life, it's usually bad choices that people make against us. And then we kind of snowball that effect and we start hurling more mess and more stuff and more stuff into the canvas of our life. And then after a while, things just get messy. They get nasty. So I'm not going to spend 20 minutes with you guys saying, look how messed up you are because you know that. I know that. I'm a preacher and I struggle with anger. Uh, I'm a preacher and I struggle with doubt and fear. And I don't know what you struggle with, but I know all of us struggle. All of us, many times, if we choose the right way or the wrong way, many of us, almost all the time, are always going to go the wrong way. 
The Bible calls that sin. Now, here's the thing. If we know this is how we are, I'm not going to convince us of this, but what I am going to say to you and to me today is this. I feel like all of us try to fix our stains. All of us try to fix our problems. All of us try to fix the junk in our life. In fact, here again, you may have never, ever been to church before, and this is your first time at church. I know the reason why you're here. Because you're thinking, wow, I know I'm messed up. And I know, I I feel like I need hope. And I feel like going to church or turning to religion or starting to do good, that that's going to fix it. In fact, you may have been in church all your life and you didn't miss church and you had the Sunday school pen and you did all of that. And the reason why you did that is so that you could remove some of this stuff. And and that's what we're going to be spending the rest of today talking about. How do we remove our stains? Because all of us know that we're stained. All of us know that we are broken. All of us know that there's this stuff that's not right in us. And we try to fix it. Now, let me tell you how some people try to fix their stuff. Some people try to fix it with determination. They think this, if I can just do better, if I can try harder, then I can fix this stain right here. Other people, you know what, they turn to self-help and they go, you know what, if I can just listen to more Dr. Oz... Right? If I can, I mean, Dr. Phil, Oprah's going off the air, 25 seasons. I got to fill that void in my life, right? So if I can listen to somebody, I can get, I can become a better person of me. And that is how I can remove this stain. Other people turn to church. And they think, you know what, if I can just go to church and I can go to activities, and if I can fill my life with all this stuff, then this will remove this stain. Other people, they turn to religion. And they think, you know what, if I can just turn to religion, and, and I mean, it'll just, it'll, it'll take that stain away, and I'll feel better about myself. All of us try to remove our stains with something. Others with relationships. Others just try to forget their stain. But what are you trying to remove your stain with today? That's what we're going to be talking about today. Now, if you have your Bibles, if you would turn to Isaiah chapter 64. We're going to be looking at two verses in Isaiah. We give away Bibles here for free here at One Church. But if you have a smartphone, you can also follow along on your smartphone. version. you can download that for free and click on live events. Or we're going to have them up on the screen. Now... Let's see what Isaiah 64, verse 5, let's say what it has to say about us. All right, this is Isaiah talking, and Isaiah is writing this to a group of people who have a lot of stains in their life. Isaiah is writing this to people who are struggling with sins, and they're not being consistent. And Isaiah has a word for them, and he's going to talk about this for us today as well. And this is how he begins. Isaiah says this, you, what's that next word? You welcome those who gladly do what? To gladly do good and who follow what? Godly ways. This right here, this verse tells us whom God welcomes. You see, all of us want to be welcomed by God. 
all of us want to be accepted by God. All of us want to, all of us want to, once we die, go to heaven. But if this is more than just happen, you know, what happens in seven years, dying and going somewhere. All of us, we want to feel like God smiles at us, right? All of us, we want to feel like God accepts us. And this verse tells us how God welcomes us and the types of people God welcomes. It says, you welcome those who gladly do good and who follow godly ways. God welcomes and accepts those people who do good. God welcomes and accepts those people who are godly. God welcomes people who, um, and he accepts people who are pure, who have no stains. I mean, a good God, in order for a good God to take you to a good place, then you have to do what? Good, right? I mean, we've all heard that. In fact, if you ask the average American today, how does somebody go to heaven? The first answer you would get, well, you have to die first. Right. And the second was you got to do something good. Right. You got to be good. I mean, that's what most people think, that if, a, if, if God is good and heaven is good, then you got to be good to get there. Now, that's what we're going to be talking about. Now, here's the thing. If God only allows good people in heaven, then we better know how good you got to be. Right. I mean, how much stains can you have in your life and he still accept you? Four, and you're good. Five mess-ups, eh, you're teetering. Six, you're done, right? I mean, how good do you have to be? We better have a list. There be, better be some clear-cut definitions, right? Because I want to be accepted by God. And I think you do as well. So how good do you have to be? How much white space on the canvas of your life has, has to happen in between your stains? I mean, if God is going to accept those who are good then how good do you have to be? That is a huge question. Let me just ask this question. Not a trick question. How many of y'all, on average, all the people in the world, everybody, how many of y'all, average, you're fairly good? Anybody? I I, I think I'm good. I'm pretty good. All right? Some of y'all, I I don't know, none of y'all, like, raise your hands. You're like, y'all need, y'all need Jesus. All right? Most of us are probably pretty good in here, right? I mean, do we have an Adolf Hitler in here? No? Right? I mean, do we have any Jeffrey Dahmers in here? No? Okay, so on average, all of us are pretty good. I like that. All right? Because think about it. I mean, in in school, you grade on a curve, right? Cool? So if everybody in the class is this way, then you got to be, you you know, you got to be average. So how many of y'all are average good? Let me see your hands. Thank you. There's more of y'all. I was getting worried about y'all. I'm like, y'all a bunch of murderers in here or something, all right? Now, here's the thing. All of us are average good. I would say I'm average good, and you are as well. You know, everybody who believes a good person, a good God lets a good person into a good place called heaven, every time I've talked about that, they always say, you know what, um... If you believe that, how many of y'all believe you're going to heaven? And everybody goes, right? Because all of us believe we're good. Now, that's important. Because if that's the standard, we need to have some clear cut. How much stains can you have and you still be let in? It reminds me of my my grandmother. Um, Her name was Margaret. And I called her Meemaw because I was a little kid. And uh, she grew up here in, in Clarksville. And she grew up during the time of the Depression. 
And uh, she was, of course, poor. She had two uh, boys. One of them was my father. And they grew up very poor, yet they didn't know that they were poor. Some of you kind of maybe are like that. You grew up in a poor family. You just didn't know you were poor. And she was a, she was a good mom. She was a good wife to her grandfather and to her father. Excuse me, that's weird. Some of y'all think, you live in Kentucky. All right. <clears throat> she, was a, she, was a, she was a good wife to her, um, to her husband. And, uh, I mean, she was just good all the way around. She went to church some earlier, but when I came on the scene, my, my meemaw, she didn't go to church that much anymore. Um, but she was a good person, really good person. In fact, she was so good. I mean, a lot of times what she would do is she would, she would work at, at, at homeless shelters all throughout Clarksville. In fact, another thing that she did is she would, um, she would uh, help out. She'd give cheese and, and government products, and she would help people who couldn't help themselves. She would give food to people who didn't have food. And she was always helping other people. My grandmother was a good person. Was she good enough to get to heaven? Because I got to be honest with you, when I started getting to know my grandmother, again, she was older in life, she really didn't go to church that much. And she didn't talk about faith or God or the Bible. It seemed like she was trusting more in her good things and how good she could be to get her to heaven. And that kind of worried me, to be honest with you, for a little bit. So um, how good do you have to be? Do you have to be... As good as your grandmother? Because I think if you did, all of us would probably fall short, right? Let me, how good do you have to be? I want to keep on reading verse 5, and it says this. You welcome those who gladly do good, who follow godly ways. Now, I'm going to keep on reading this verse. What's the next word? Uh Uh-oh. Anytime you see a but, there's always a contrast, all right? So, but... You have been very angry with us for, what's that next word? We. How many of y'all are we? Let me see your hands. Cool. For we are not, what? Godly. What's the next word? We. How many of y'all are we? Let me see it. All right. Are you not a we? All right. Some of y'all, I play we. All right. We are constant sinners. How do I measure up? How do you measure up? I mean, we talked about how good do you have to be? How much white space do you have to be in between those bad stains? The thing is, you and I don't really measure up. Because here's the problem. When we compare, hey, I'm I'm better than her, I'm better than him. You know, I've not wrecked my life as bad as she did. You know what I mean? She is really messed up. I mean, all of us, we compare ourselves down, don't we? We find people who are more jacked up than we are, and we go, man, they're really messed up. Look how good I am, right? But hear me, we're comparing ourselves to the wrong standard. You see, let me tell you the standard that God holds everybody to, and that is perfection. That is purity. That is no stains whatsoever. And see, some of you are going, okay, I've made some small stains, but I've, I've made some big stains, but I've not made that big. You know, I'm, I, I sped to church to come. I was, I was going to be late coming here, so I sped getting here. That's you right there. Right? 
Some of you are like, you know what? I remember that one time, you know, I didn't have enough money. And I remember and I ended up pocketing the money. And I I don't really consider that huge because I didn't embezzle millions. Okay, that's you right there. But the fact of the matter is, God only accepts people. He welcomes those who are pure, who are perfect, who are spotless. The problem, I don't measure up. Problem, you don't measure up. We have to be pure. We have to be without stain. I'm going to keep on reading. You welcome those who gladly do good, who follow godly ways, but you have been angry with us for we are not godly. Now look at this. We are constant sinners. How can people like us be what? That's what we're talking about today. All right, that's a great question. And that's the question I want you to start asking today. Not are we stained. We've solved that one. We know we're messed up. In fact, if you think you're perfect, if you got a spouse, let me just speak to her or him. They will tell me. Let me tell you how jacked up they are. Everybody knows you messed up. I don't have to convince you of this. But let me tell you what I do have to talk about. We try to fix this with determination, religion, church, doing better, doing good. How good is good enough? And the problem is when we fix them, we really don't fix anything. What happens when we try to fix our sin-stained problem? This next verse, look at this. We are all sin-infected, sin-contaminated. Our best efforts are what? Have y'all ever tried getting something off of a shirt? And when you tried getting it off the shirt, what you were wiping it was even worse than what was on your shirt? Last week I was in Atlanta. And I don't know what a problem I was having. Uh, I mean... I had to change after every meal. I don't know if my mouth wasn't working. Uh, I ate Mexican fajitas. All right. I, I, I ate uh, Italian marinara. Right. And what I'm doing is I'm trying to remove the stain. And you know what happens when you remove stains? In fact, this is what the Bible says, that our best efforts, your best effort... It's like a greased stain rag. When we try to remove the stains, it it just it makes it worse. I can oh yeah, yeah that's not that's not good. Um, you see if if I if my best effort is like a grease stained rag. My on my best day. I mean when I think I am awesome. When I feel like I've fulfilled all of my commitments, when, when on my best day, when I try to remove stuff, that's what I get. I get a mess, more than a mess than even what I had because, and this is our big idea today. When you try to fix your stain, it gets worse. When I try to fix my stain, it gets worse. And all of us, we try to fix our stains. All of us do. But when we do it, it makes it messier. It, it blurs it even more. There's less white space than before. Because I tried to fix it. I can't fix it. 
and you can't fix it either. Let me read you another verse. This is Jeremiah 2.22. It says this. People, you are stained with guilt. You are stained with guilt and no soap or bleach can wash it away. Here I go. OxyClean right here, baby. This feels like a bad infomercial. Some of y'all are going, is it 2 o'clock in the morning? All right, let's try this. Can this remove our stain? Oh, that's awful. That's not doing anything. You see, there's no amount of soap or bleach can make it right. You cannot fix your stain, and neither can I. It just makes a nasty, nasty mess. But that doesn't keep us from trying to solve it, does it? Some of us, again, we think determination. If I just had more willpower, I could stop doing this. And then I could start doing this. And if I could create this habit and just do it for 21 days, then I could do this, right? I mean, how many of y'all made New Year's resolutions this year? Be honest, tell the truth, shame the devil. Right? Most of y'all. Now, are y'all still doing them? Let me see your hands. You're still doing them. Got one person. Amazing. You need to come up and teach this message. All right? Here, we think willpower is the fix. But willpower doesn't fix it because we don't have enough will in our power. Right? We just don't got it. We don't have enough determination to fix this mess. Let me tell you where some people turn to. They turn to, they, and I know what you think. You need to go to the Bible, preacher. So, right? I mean, the, the Bible will fix this mess. Well, let's talk about that. Some people think if I just follow the Bible and if I follow the Ten Commandments, that'll do it. I mean, that's the key. I mean, you should know this. You've been to seminary. You should know that the that, that, that Bible is the fix for this. Let's talk about that. All right? This is Romans chapter 3, verse 20. And it says this. For no one can ever be made what? Right with God by doing what? What the law commands. Did y'all just hear that? I'm going to read that because some of y'all are going, he jacked up. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us what? You see, let me tell you, the law was given, the Ten Commandments were given to show you how stained you really are. That's the whole reason that it was given. It was to show you, yeah, I need help. I need help. And, and, and let me tell you where the Ten Commandments is found. It's found in Exodus 20. If you turn there right now, you wouldn't find heaven anywhere around those passages. It, it, you're not, it doesn't say if you follow these ten, you have eternal life. It doesn't say if you, if you follow these ten, God's going to accept you. I mean, nowhere does it say by just following the Ten Commandments, you're going to get to heaven because it's never meant to get you to heaven. The whole law was given to show you, you can't do it. You cannot remove your stain, okay? So if the Bible and the whole Ten Commandments, if that's not the key, then some of it's just going to church, right? If I could just get with some people, I want you to look to the person to the left of you. Look to the person to the right of you. Now, I want you to point out which one looks like the biggest sinner. <laughs> I don't know if you've been around this church a long time. There's some jacked up people in here. Right? And let me tell you. L- l- that's me. I'm messed up too. 
I'm stained, literally. And so are you. Church ain't the answer. Following the Ten Commandments isn't the answer. Determination isn't the answer. Well, religion. See, church, it's about a group of people who can maybe the good apples will outweigh the bad apples in the bunch. Religion's a different game altogether. It's, you know, doing the things that you got to do, and it's all about doing. And if you do more better things than the bad things, and if you're praying this much and you're rubbing these many beads and you're going to doing this, then that's what religion is, right? Religion's the key. <laughs> do you know what the, the root word for religion is? Bondage. Literally, look it up. I mean, how many, how many people do we, have we seen on television blow themselves up over religion? Religion ain't the answer. Religion just makes things messier and nastier. How many wars have been fought over religion? A bunch. Religion's no key at all. All religion, determination, church, following the Ten Commandments, all that does, when we try doing that stuff, it makes it even messier. It makes it even messier. Now, as we close today, some of y'all are going, okay, I get it. I can't do it myself. I can't do it myself. Other people, you're still going, you know what, I'm, I'm all right, but I ain't that bad. I ain't, if you're saying you're a messed up preacher, I'm not as bad as you. Let me tell you a true story. The story is about a, about a fellow by the name of Adolf Eichmann. Let, let me tell you about Adolf Eichmann. There's a, his picture up on the screen. True story. Adolf Eichmann was a German who thought up the Holocaust in World War II. He's the one who said, hey, I got an idea. Why don't we take Jews from where they're living at, transport them by train to death camps like Dachau and Auschwitz, and let's burn them alive. Let's shoot them. Let's gas them. And it was Adolf Eichmann, this dude here, who had the idea, let's kill six million Jews. Now, of course, there was more than just six million Jews who died. There was another six million who were handicapped, who were uh, who were uh, homosexual uh, homosexualities, uh, who struggled with homosexuality. There were other ones who were gypsies. They killed gypsies. They killed uh, just uh, all kinds of different people. Over twelve million people died, and this dude right here thought it up. It was his idea. I mean, how evil do you have to be? Well, when the Allies invaded Germany and the Axis fell, Adolf Eichmann got out of Germany and he eluded being caught. Um, it was only until 1960 that some Israeli soldiers got a tip that this fella was living in Argentina. And they went and, and they got Adolf Eichmann and they brought him back to Israel to stand trial for war crimes and hate crimes. And there, behind a bulletproof glass, he stood trial. And one after one, they brought in these Holocaust survivors. One after one, they brought in these people whom this, this fellow destroyed. How many families? And the one in particular that they caught on video, his name was Yehul Denur. 
And Yehiel came through, he came in the courtroom, he got up on the, on the witness stand, and he was going to testify against Adolf Eichmann, and he never met Adolf Eichmann. And he looked into Adolf Eichmann's eyes, and he just broke down sobbing, and he fell down on the ground. And they had to escort Yehiel Denur out the courtroom. And everybody's going, oh my gosh, what just happened here? I mean, did he look in the eyes of that, that demonic, evil man? And was he just overcome by hatred? Revenge? And later, Mike Wallace interviewed Yehiel Denur on 60 Minutes. And he asked the question that everybody was asking. What was going through your mind when you, when you caught his stare? The victim and the perpetrator. I mean, this man who's destroyed... All of your relatives killed all of your friends. You've got no one. And Yehiel Denur told Mike Wallace, when I looked into his eyes, I was expecting to see this demonic, evil, deranged madman. And I saw somebody who looked a whole lot more like me. I was expecting to see somebody who was evil personified. And when I looked into his eyes, the only reflection I saw was myself. And I realized that I could do what he did. I could be that bad. I could be that stained. I could be that evil. Mike Wallace, after listening to Yehill's answer, turned to the camera and he asked this very poignant question. He says, Was Adolf Eichmann evil personified? Was he a devil? Or was he much, much worse? Was he normal? Was he just like you and me? Because I believe that there is an Adolf Eichmann living in every one of us. And it doesn't matter how pretty we dress up on Sunday, or how good we do, or how much religion we bring into our life. All of us are stained. Every one of us. And try as we can, we cannot remove those stains. We can't do it. Our best efforts are like grease-stained rags. As you leave here today, here's what I'm going to ask you guys to do. Totally anonymous. But when you leave out these doors, there is a big canvas cloth up against the wall. That we're asking you to do some things. This is going to be... Maybe the first step towards you forgiving yourself. But I want you to go to that canvas and I want you to write your biggest mistake on there. Your biggest sin. For some of you, you may be there a while. That's okay. Because all of us are stained. Let me tell you the words that are on there right now. Adultery. Lust. Pornography, pride, cheating, stealing, cussing, not being consistent in my walk with God. I mean, if you look on that, it's covered right now. And that's with 100 people, 150 people who was in the first service. So I'm going to ask you, let me tell you, James 5, 16 says, if you confess your sins to one another, you will be healed. And some of you, you've been looking for healing for quite some time. This is the first step. 
is you just got to talk about it. You got to confess it. You got to, I'm not asking you to sign it. I'm just asking you to write it down. Now, let me tell you, I didn't give you a lot of hope right now because I'm not, I'm not telling you how to fix this yet because we can't fix it. But next week, there is hope. Next week, we're going to see that our stains can be removed and we could be made right how it was the very first throw, the very first paint splatter. We can be made right. But it's nothing that we do. It has nothing to do with us. So I would pray that you would come next week and hear how you can get your stains covered and removed. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, Lord, uh, Lord, when we come to you, God, many of us, we've not talked to you in a long time. It's been a long time since we prayed to you, God. And Lord, uh, others, we pray every day. And we try religion, we try church, we try doing, 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 doing to try to cover up those blots on our lives. But it just ain't working. And we're messier now than we've ever been. Lord, I pray for everyone in here who is struggling with those stains. With the hideousness of it. The nastiness of it, God. And Lord, I pray, Lord, as we take that first step, acknowledging our mess-ups. Lord, that we can come back next week and we can hear That we can hear that we can have peace with God and with other people and with ourselves. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would stop trying to fix it. And Lord, that we would look to you to fix those things. For it's just in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.